if you can, I need you to, to put your finger in two spots. Now, if you got a phone Bible, you can't do that. But uh, if you got a real Bible, you can do that. Uh, Exodus chapter 15, and then also uh, I need you to go to uh, Romans 8.28. I've got a, a, a word that has just been working in my heart uh, all week. Um, I've been really praying about this since the beginning of the week, and uh, I've got uh, a, a couple of things that are just burning in my heart today, and I'm, I want to get them out today. I'm, we're going to be in Romans 8:28 first is where we're going to be, and uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Larry, and thank you to the worship team. Can you give them a hand for all they do? All right, uh, Romans 8:28. Um, it, it says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How many love God? How many have him in your heart and he, 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 you have a relationship with him? Well, this verse tells me that if you are that person, we know that for, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Amen. That's encouraging. Amen. Uh, for those who are called according to his purpose, not your purpose, but his purpose. How many know that God's plans are not the same as ours? Because we, we are selfish. God is not. God has a purpose and a plan for us. And so he's designed this. And I, so I want to just preface that. We're going to come back to that at some point. If I don't get back around to that verse, I cut my, sh my sermon short. Now jump over to Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, verses 22. Uh, uh, through 25, I'm going to read this just quickly, and then I'll pray here. Uh, and uh, when you got it, say, I got it. All right. Go to uh, verse 22, if you, if you can, there. I don't know if you have that. Oh, you have it back there. Okay, there it is. No, you have verse 23. But it says this in verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out for the, uh, from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, uh, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Everyone say bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became Sweet. Amen. Everyone say the water became sweet. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, God, you are all over this service. Lord, you are in this building today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to just move and minister like only you can, God. God, I pray, Lord, that lives would be transformed by this word today. God, I pray, Lord, that it would, uh, God, shake the uncomfortable. God, make, make those that are in their comfort zone, move them to an uncomfortable state. God, begin to prod them, begin to move them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help those who have been struggling with situations and, and, and have been harboring uh, bitterness and pain and sorrow for years. God, I pray, Lord, that those things would be broken today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And God, I pray right now, God, for any soul that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you before the end of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, 
Amen. So how many know that God plans and he, he guides uh, uh, us as the children of God? How many know that? Uh, the Bible says that our steps are what? Ordered of the Lord. He's, he's got these things. So God never said this. He never said that we wouldn't have difficult times. You'll not find that in Scripture where it says, hey, you get saved, that it'll be, uh, you know, uh, rainbows and Skittles and whatever, and it'll all be good. But let me tell you something. If you've been saved for any amount of time, matter of fact, if you're, if you're moving forward with God, you are going to face a difficult time one way or another. Amen? If you have faced a difficult time as a child of God, would you lift up your hand? All right, look all over this building. If you're not raising your hand, you haven't been saved very long because it will come. How many know that trials will come? And sometimes we face oppositions and we face problems and challenges uh, when we obey God. Amen? It's not always when we run from God. Sometimes we're obeying God and the enemy comes in and, and, and there's opposition. And many times we find it very difficult to accept the problems in life, amen, how many struggle when you're going through something, you're, you're struggling with it, God, I don't have enough uh, uh, money for the month, come on, you ever been there, Lord, Lord, I don't understand why my spouse is being the way that they're being, I, I don't understand the, these things, and so there's, and, and what happens in those situations, and, and as we grow weary in our faith, anybody ever been weary in your faith, amen, but we got to understand that there's a solution for every problem, amen, and can I tell you this, if God has led you to a circumstance, maybe God didn't author that circumstance, but that circumstance, God will let you go through some circumstances. He'll use those things, come on, for your good, come on somebody, right? And, and God has a way of working out circumstances, amen? Amen. Can I hear somebody today that has, has seen some things that God pulled you through that you didn't think you were going to get through, but you made it through, amen? You might as well get fired up today because I'm going to get fired up. I feel it already. So this, this morning, we're going to study how we ought to react when we face bitter times, all right? This is how we ought to react when we face bitter times. We also are going to see why God leads us through bitter circumstances. So here's the story in Exodus uh, chapter 15. This is amazing. If you look at the beginning of Exodus chapter 15, you go back to Exodus uh, the next the, uh, chapter 14, you'll see that the children of Israel are, are, are coming out of Egypt. I mean, that's a beautiful story. What happens, you know, God parts the Red Sea. Woo, go God. That's an amazing thing, a big event. And they walk across on dry land, miracle number two. Woo, they get to the other side. Pharaoh's army follows them. And what? The Red Sea collapses on Pharaoh's army. So God destroys their enemy. They're free. Come on. And they're walking in their purpose. And they're on the other side of the Red Sea. And matter of fact, at the beginning of chapter 15, man, the first 21 verses is the song of Miriam, and she has her tambourine, and they are singing on the shoreline, and they're praising God, and they're shouting out loud. They're not just sitting there in their Baptist, so I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that, in their Baptist way. No, they are praising God because God has brought them out of something, amen? If God has brought you out of something, come on, you ought to praise his name, Amen? Say, Pastor, were you picking on the Baptist? No, I didn't mean to pick on the Baptist. Listen, but, it, but how many know that sometimes when we go through trials, we go through situations, we can't help when we get on the other side of the situation to turn around and say, God is good. I shouldn't be here today. Come on, Brad Tincher. I shouldn't be here today because God brought me out. Amen. 
my Lord, I'm not even on my notes today. But this is what I'll tell you. In our lives, there are seasons, right? There are seasons. And there are mountaintop experiences or the Red, Red Sea shoreline experiences. We're praising God. But let me tell you something. God will begin to move you to in his purpose and his destiny, and he'll take you from one place to the next. And there are seasons, and some of those seasons uh, bring different circumstances in our lives. So what happens here, the children of Israel, they're there on the seashore, and, and, and they praise God for 20 21 verses, and they're, they're shouting, and they're excited because of what God had done. And then God moves them, and, they, and begins to show them where to go. And for three days, they are wandering out in the wilderness. So they're leaving the place of praise, and they're moving to a place they don't know. How many know that God will move you? Some, it takes a step of faith sometimes to go where you don't know what the result is, but you got to trust in God. Amen. So this is what happens. Verse 22 says this, that Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. Hey, we're, we're leaving this moment. We can't stay here forever because God has a promise for us. I'm happy for this praise. I'll remember this praise. It was a great experience. But we have to go. Come on. We have to go to the new place. And, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. Everyone say Shur. Come on. Say it like you're from southern Indiana. Shur. All right. And, and they went... Three days in the wilderness and found no what? Ooh, no water. So that's point number one. Have you ever been in a circumstance in your life? And, man, it seems like uh, God does something amazing and you feel like you're on top of the world. Come on. You're praising God on Sunday morning. You're praising God at prayer night on Sunday night. You get up on Monday morning and, whoo, man, it feels like there is no water. Come on, right? You're feeling dry in your spirit. You're cranky at your wife. You're cranky at your boss. You're cranky at your dog. Come on, somebody. You're crank cranky at your cat. And, and there is no water within you. And, and, you know, and this is amazing in this story. I, I love how God, he used Charleston. And Heston. No, he used Moses. Come on, right? He used Moses to lead them. Come on, some of the, uh, the older crowd got that. The younger crowd looked at me like, blink, 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 blink. What are you talking about? But he used them to escape slavery to the promise. And it's amazing to me what, what God did. And, and, and it would have been nice for the children of Israel to sit there and linger at the Red Sea shore on the beach praising God. Amen. But God said, get up, get moving. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I, I love this. So sure, everyone say sure again. It literally means this, a wall. In your relationship with the Lord, have you ever come from a high point where God did something great for you only to go to the next place, the next season, and it felt like there was a, a wall or a, a glass ceiling? And it's like, God, where are you? God, I'm struggling here. Lord, I saw what you did then. Lord, I, I want to go back. Amen. And, and so these these people, you know, they're, they're in this place and they're thinking, hey, I, I would love, I would love to go back to the seashore, right? And I would love to go back to where uh, things were good. And this is what happened. Sure, literally means wall. And that didn't mean necessarily a physical wall, but that would be a wall that would stop 3.5 million Israelites from moving forward. Think about that. And that wall was this. There was no water. No water, right? Uh, and so, have anybody ever been thirsty? You ever been really thirsty? I told this story before here. 
Uh, I was on a, a tour with my mom in Washington, D.C. when I was little, and I kept telling my mom, two-and-a-half-hour walking tour, and I kept telling her, Mom, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. And she's like, we'll get a drink in a little bit, we'll get a drink in a little bit. And, you know, she's like testing me, right? And I'm like, listen, Mom, I am thirsty. And we finally got to a place where the tour stopped for just a minute, and there was a fountain, a wishing well, a fountain. And let me tell you what my little self did. I went down to the water fountain down there and where people were probably washing their feet and throwing their coins, and I got a drink out of that fountain. And if you know, I don't even drink after people, you know, that's probably the reason I don't drink after people. I was thirsty. My mom didn't give me something to drink. Well, that's biblical. You heard it was, uh, it was the bedtime, and this father asked his son, do you want water? And he said no. And after a prayer, the father sends his kid to bed. Five minutes later, the boy screams, come on, all you people with parents from the next room. Dad, can you give me a glass of water? Come on, I felt that in my heart. The dad says, no. And after a minute, the boy screams again, Dad, can you please give me a glass of water? The dad says, no. I asked you earlier, and you had your chance. Come on, some of you parents, you know you draw that line in the sand, right? And you, you had your chance. If you ask one more time, I'm going to come up there, and I'm going to spank you. After a short silence, the boy screams, Dad. When you come up here to spank me, can you bring me a glass of water? Smart kid right there. <laughs> How many know water is essential for life? Can you imagine going three days in a dusty desert, dry desert, going with no water? And, and I'm sure they were rationing their water, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's just frustrating. It's got to be frustrating when you're that many people. That so, uh, uh, how, how many of you have ever been through a, a desert season, a dry season spiritually in this house? How many did the Lord bring you through that? Amen. I just want to I want to increase your faith today. And maybe you're here today, you say, hey, I'm dry spiritually, and I'm just crying out for a drop of the Holy Spirit and fresh water. And let me tell you, he was all over this place this morning. If you missed that, that was, that's that one's on you. Um, but 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 they were looking for water and they needed water, but there was no water. They felt like they couldn't move forward or go forward. And and, and there's been seasons in my life where I felt like that. Man, God did something great for me. Then I hit this this place, and I'm like, man, there's a wall, and I feel like I can't move forward. But this is what God does. He keeps pressing us forward if we trust him and we obey him. So here's the second point I want to bring right here is this. Uh, after there's no water, then, then there's bitter water. Everyone say bitter water. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. It's like that fountain water that I drank in Washington, D.C. Therefore, it was named Mara. So this is amazing to me because God is teaching the Israelites and us today that life is a, is, a, is a lesson of a mixture of sweetness and bitterness. Come on. Sometimes things are great, and sometimes things are met with bitterness, right? You've been on the sweet side. Man, man, I just bought a new house. I got a new job. Woo, that's great. I'm getting married. Woo, you know, great things, blah, 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 great. And then on the bitter side, parents are terminally ill, or you've been diagnosed with the terminal illness or or whatever they, or or you're running out of money or your job you got fired right sometimes there's a there's seasons of sweetness and sometimes there's seasons of bitterness john maxwell says it like this life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we react to those things amen i, I love that I, I think that's a beautiful quote can you imagine uh, 3 days they were rationing their water and there's 
there's the ripples of information. Hey, we're coming in tomorrow, and, and it begins to pass. They didn't have text. They couldn't just, you know, uh, message everyone. Hey, there's water ahead. There's water ahead. Everyone in the world knows, like, two minutes. No, it was like, you know, telephone, the game telephone. Hey, there's water ahead. There's water ahead, you know. And they went through. Can you see that rippling through the people, and they're, they're tired and they're thirsty, and they know there's water. Can you see them even running? Hey, I'm going to be the first one to get to the water. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you out of the way. I need to get up there. And maybe they even go down to get a drink, or maybe they, they jump in the water, come on, because they, they're hot, and they jump in the water, I don't know, uh, but, but they, when they got into the water, it was not like they expected it to be. You ever been there? Oh, God, I'm going to do this, and then you jump into it, and you're like, this is not what I expected, Lord. It's not what I thought. I'll never forget when I was growing up, but we, were, uh, we had a, a man, an elderly man that went to our church. My dad was a pastor. And this guy was, I don't know, he felt ancient to me. I don't know. He was like 83, 86, 88, and he had bad cataracts, and he couldn't see very good. He had terrible hearing. He couldn't hear very good. He was funny, uh, you know, because he just couldn't hear. He would just say certain things, but he, he was a great guy. But we kind of began to love on him and take him meals and, and just begin to just reach out to him because he didn't have any family. And I remember one day my dad sent me and my brother and sister over there and said, okay, uh, I need you guys to do some work. John, I need you to go outside. That's my older brother. Hey, I need you to go outside and I need you to start cutting wood. And and my dad knew better than ask me to do that, all right? And so he sent my my, my brother out there, and then he told me and my sister, he said, this is what I need you to do. I wish I would have cut wood, all right? And, and we went inside, and my dad said, I need you to do this. I need you to, this guy's name was Spurge, and, 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 and he said, I need you to go into Spurge's kitchen, and I need you to wash his dishes. All right, I'm never going to forget this for the rest of my life. I don't know if you've ever been in the house of somebody who has cataracts that can't wash their dishes properly. But, man, it was, it was gnarly. There was stuff growing on some of those cups that were sitting there that he couldn't see. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. And I'll never forget, I was sitting there going, whoop, whoop, washing, washing those things out. And, and my brother was outside, and Spurge was just sitting there on his TV, had his little headphones in, super loud. We could hear it in the kitchen, like a whole, you know, 90 feet because it was super loud. And, 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 uh, and I, my brother, he's like, he's like, I need a drink of water. And I'm like, listen, bro, you do not want a drink of water. And he said, I need a drink of water right now. And I said, listen, you need to wait till we get these cups clean. He said, I don't care. Give me a drink of water. And so guess what I did? Whoops, put some water in there, and there was floaties all in that thing. And I said, here you go, bro. My brother must have been so thirsty because he drank that. And I was going, whoa, whoa. Terrible situation. But it was, it was bitter, right? I feel like I should talk about bitterness because every day, listen to me, every day as a pastor I encounter people, someone who's mad, someone who's hurt, someone who's bothered, someone who's disappointed, frustrated because life has not gone their way. And listen, what happens when life doesn't go your way, it's real easy to get bitter, amen? Some of you are bitter because you expected one thing and something else happened, right? Uh, some of you uh, thought you were going to get good, but you got bad, right? Come on. Some of you prayed for answers, but instead you were left with questions. Come on, right? You ever been there? Uh, and some of you prayed for deliverance, but instead, you know what? You got demons, right? Oh, that's quiet now. You expected one thing, but it went another direction. But not only had the Israelites hit a wall, they couldn't go forward. They were encountering bitter waters, struggling. 
You know what's interesting to me is some of you shouldn't do it, but some of you really love to, to drink bitter waters. Some of you have been hurt, and the bitter waters of yesterday, listen to me, I put this up here today, and you've got your little canteen that you got from the bitter pool from way back when, and you carry it around with you, and you're, you've got this bitter water, and when you want to get mad at somebody, you just kick open your canteen. I pray no one drank out of this today, and a lot of people said they were going to, thank I, I, Wyatt, come drink out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, and, and you want to be bitter about something, and you pull up something that happened 20 years ago. Something that happened at my last church. Ah, I hate the world. Right? Bitter. And it amazes me that we do this in our lives, and we pull up things from 20 years ago, three years ago, six months ago, and listen, you're not, you're going to find out in life, you don't have to go find bitterness. It will find you. Your family can make you bitter. Your spouse can make you, your friends can make you bitter. Come on, right? Your government can make you bitter. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, and and, and you, it will find you. You don't have to get on Amazon. How do I find bitterness? It will, it will find you, right? At some point, you're going to get there. But look at this. Verse 24 says this, and the people grumbled against Moses. Saying, what shall we drink? And I believe there's a second lesson here that, that, that God would, would show us is this. He wanted to teach his people at Mara and to teach us today that trials are really an x-ray of what's really going on inside of us. Let me, let, let me put it to you this way. The people were mad and they were bitter at God, but most of us know that we shouldn't be mad at God. So where's the next best source? Oh, let's talk about our leader. Come on, somebody, right? Hey, Moses, what shall we drink? So we're mad at Moses now. We're mad at the leader. There was a story of a, a monk who joined a monastery, and the rule of the monastery was that for the first 30 years, they had to be silent without talking, and they could uh, talk a maximum of two words after uh, completing every 10 years. Amen? Amen. This is a good practice. Some, we need to do this in our house, babe. All right. But, but anyways, come on. That was a joke. However, they could talk a maximum of two words after completing it 10 years. After the first 10 years, the, the chief priest called him and gave him the monk the opportunity to speak the words. He said, do you have anything to speak? And the monk said, food bad. And after another 10 years, the priest came again to the monk and said, hey, do you have anything else to speak? The monk said, bed hard. Another 10 years went by, and it was time for the priest to anoint his monk. And, and the priest said, do you have two words to speak? And the monk said, I quit. The priest said, it, it's no surprise to me one bit. You've done nothing but complain since you've been here. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. Let, let your pastor help you. One of the symptoms of bitterness is complaining and murmuring. Oh, pastor, that's that's deep. Oh, if you if you are complaining in your spirit and you you are murmuring in your spirit, that word murmuring means to complain or to hold a grudge. Woo, come on, pastor. Now you're speaking. It, it's a root that produces bad fruit, and that bad fruit is called bitterness. Oh, you ever met a murmurer? You ever met a complainer? You ever met a whiner? Right? Come on, right? 
frustrated about this. I got to say this. I got to say that. And I got to I got to get my point of view across. And and, and Hebrews 12, 15 tells us that that no root of bitterness spring up uh, and and causes trouble. But but and, and by it may many become defiled. So what that's basically saying is this. If you have bitterness in your heart and it comes out, it's going to defile you as a person. So those complainers and those whiners having trouble in their life, they become bitter. There's a great illustration of this in 2 Samuel chapter 16. There's this guy, and I always have to look at his name because I know I'm going to mispronounce it, but his name is Ahithophel. Everyone say Ahithophel. Spell that seven times, all right? But Ahithophel, who was advising King David in 2 Samuel chapter 16, and he is telling him, Hey, uh, uh, this is, he was, the Bible says he was a, he was a messenger of God. He could speak things clearly. He was a good uh, Ahithophel. He could say things great. And so he is advising King David and telling him, hey, David, this is what you need to do. This is, he's, the Bible, I believe, calls him the mouthpiece of God. But it's interesting, in chapter 17, verse 23, he gets mad at David because he's bitter at David because David doesn't do what he wants him to do. Come on, somebody. And, and then what happens in him in, in chapter 17, verse 23, the Bible says this, he went on his donkey, he went and took care of himself, and then he hanged himself. How do you go from being a messenger for God one season and in the next season hanging and killing yourself? bitterness. See, I, I've learned that, that people in situations don't make us bitter. I don't get bitter at people. I don't get bitter at situations. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? You know what those situations do? They just expose what's really inside of me. Oh, come on now. Now we're getting a little bit introspective. You know why you get mad when someone pulls out in front of you? Because there's something inside of you. Come on, I'm talking to Pastor right now. There's something inside of you that 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 is that just comes out. You know why you get so mad at your your wife when when certain situations happen? She there there are expectations that you put on her. You you think that she should have this done and then it's not done or whatever the case. And 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 in your in your heart, you know why you get mad at them? Because there's something inside of you that that situation brings out, and that is called the root of bitterness. Come on, right? And bitterness is dangerous because we harbor it. We keep, we keep bitter waters in our canteen right here, and we say, well, I'll just conveniently go back to this because I just want to be mad at somebody. Right? This is amazing to me. And notice that I love this because you say, well, well, how do I, how do I let it go? Well, look at Jesus on the cross. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Come on, guys. Notice Jesus on the cross. They are beating him up. This, this is how you know what's coming out of you. Look at Jesus. They are beating him up. They are spitting on him. They are cursing him. They are nailing him. And what flows out of Jesus' mouth? Father, forgive them. That's not a root of bitterness. That's a root of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. If anybody had the right to be mad at them, it was Jesus. And it amazes me, situations, they draw out of us bitterness. And can I tell you this? This is what the scripture tells us, that the measure that you, you give forgiveness is the measure that you'll, you'll get it back. And that scripture pressed down, all that, you know, I know we use that for money, but that's really talking about forgiving other people. So the measure that you forgive people, guess what? That's the measure you're going to be forgiven. I've learned to be a lot more forgiving in my life because I need a lot more forgiveness. Come on, right? It's good, right? But they were, here's the Israelites, they're hitting a wall, and, and the water was bitter, 
And, and if, there, if, if that's where you are today, can I tell you something? There is still hope. Everyone say, there's hope. Here's the here's third thing I, I, I want to show you right here. Verse 25 says this. And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and other translations say a tree. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet, and there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them. So look at this. Here's, here's the third thing, sweet water. Everyone say sweet water. Bitter water to sweet water. Moses did what I think any good leader would do when you got a bunch of people who are bitter and mad at you. And the, the, the first church of Israel, they are bitter and they are mad at him. And what does he do? He goes straight to the Lord. What do I do here? And he cries out to the Lord. Listen to me. Some of you, listen, I said it earlier. Some of you need to learn to cry out to the Lord again. I'm not talking, God help me. I'm talking, God need you slapping the ground if you have to God I am desperate for you I am crying out for you I can't handle this on my own but this is what he did he took it to the Lord when I don't know what to do guess what guess what I do know is God's already got a plan God's already got it figured out all I gotta do is go to him pretty easy, right? Why, why do we wait? All I have to do is trust and obey him. So, but look, look at this. I, I love this. I want you to look and see how good God is. They're out in the middle of the wilderness. They're at bitter waters and marrow. God knew the Israelites would be there one day. And one day he saw fit. Look at this. Look at this. He saw fit to put a tree there that would be used to change their situation. You know, God already has the answer to your situation. You think you've stumbled onto bitter waters. God said, I already have a tree that can change your situation. Amen? Amen? Listen to me. Listen to me. God didn't create this tree on the spot. God planted that tree long before they got there. God knew that you were going to be in bitter waters at one point in your life. Jesus Christ on a tree on Calvary 2,000 years ago paid the ultimate price for you and for me so that we could walk free from bitterness and rage and anger and anxiety and fear and sin. Come on, somebody. Amen. Are you hearing me out today? Many of you think the bitter situation you're dealing with is, is, is impossible, but can I tell you, a, a tree changed everything. That's the title of my sermon. I didn't even tell you that. A tree changed everything. The tree in Scripture is, is symbolic of the cross. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body, and on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. That's beautiful. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for you. He, he bore your sins. And for it is written. And this is out of Deuteronomy. He's quit. Galatians quoting Deuteronomy. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Can I tell you something? It's the cross of Calvary that still transforms bitter situations 
and experience. It still transforms sinners. Amen? Amen? A tree changed everything for you and me. I'll tell you how. I can walk in freedom from defeat because of a tree. I can walk in healing and not in sickness because of a tree. I can walk in truth and not a lie because of a tree. And I can withstand bitterness because the cross of Calvary makes my bitterness into sweet. Amen. See, Jesus' work on the cross paid for your sin specifically. And we know it was for everyone, right? But I need you to understand the sin that you committed, I don't know, this week. Jesus died on the cross specifically for that because here's what I know. In the temple worship, every sin had to be named specifically when the lamb was slain. They would, they would tell them, you know, they would. T- this is for this sin. Whew, nobody would want to do that today, would they? But can I tell you something? Jesus, he died for all of our sins, but he died for your sin, sin, singular, all of them, specifically. How many are grateful for that? Amen. Amen. Listen, in the book of Philemon, uh, Paul, uh, Paul's in prison. Paul's always in prison, right? And, and he's preaching the gospel. And his cellmate in, in the book of Philemon, if you, if you read this, it take you 10 minutes to read it. There's this cellmate is this guy named uh, Onesimus. And, and he was a bondservant or a, a, a slave to Philemon. And he was his master. And what had happened is Onesimus had run away from Philemon, who was his his boss or his owner, and he ran away and he got caught and was in prison. I love how God works. And so here's Paul just chilling out in prison after preaching the gospel. He's there, and, and then Onesimus is sitting there next to him, and, and Paul's up probably over there sketching letters, and, and the guy, Onesimus, like, wait, who are you writing a letter to? Oh, this guy, I know his name is Philemon. You know Philemon? Yeah, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Oh, well, I'm Onesimus. I, I was a bondservant to him, and I ran away from him, and here I am. And, and then Paul begins to talk to him and begin to witness to him, and he begins to convert him. Come on. And he begins to tell him uh, uh, what God has done in his life. And then Paul tells Philemon, he writes this letter, and he gives it to Onesimus, and he goes, take this letter to Philemon when you go back to him. And when you go back to him, you give him this letter. And this is what Paul writes in that little that letter. Paul tells Philemon, if Onesimus has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, Charge it to my account. He's telling Philemon, hey, I cover his cost. The pain and sorrow that he's, he's made, I, I've done it. Can I, can I tell you, this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus did on Calvary. He, he paid the price for our sins. He said, hey, I will pay that price. Even though it costs me everything, I will pay that price. That, that bitterness, I have paid the price for you to be free from that. How many love the freedom of the Lord? Can I tell you something? You don't have to hold on to bitterness. You can be forgiven. Can I, can I share something else? The same forgiveness that Christ gives you is the same forgiveness that Christ gives that person that wronged you. 
I know, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm probably touching some, some of you have been through some really tough circumstances and things that were beyond your control. Maybe when you were a kid, I'm, I'm getting real right now. The Holy Spirit says, and, and maybe there's some things inside of you and say, I, I didn't deserve that. No, no, you didn't deserve that. But can I tell you something? By the grace of God, you can forgive that person. You don't have to, you know, be around that person, but you can forgive that person. You can let go of the root of bitterness that is holding you bondage or the thing that you're carrying around and you want to be mad and you go back and take a sip of bitter water a a tree changed everything for you and me amen there's this song and it goes Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow. Come on, sing it again. Jesus paid it all. He paid it. Jesus, your forgiveness, their forgiveness. So you wouldn't have to walk in bitterness. Come on, sing it out. Sin. Here's the last thing I want to I want to point out in this story. Exodus 15 is chock full of great things. But if you go down to verse 26, it says this saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. He's talking to Israel, he's talking to us. I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I don't have time to break this down. I wish I did this morning, but I want to say this. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord that heals. Not only can he heal your body, but he can heal your heart. He can heal bitterness. Come on. He can heal your mind. He can heal how you feel about a specific person and give you freedom from that thing that's held you bondage. He turns bitter situations, circumstances, and people and turns them into sweet. Look at this, verse 27. This is what I want to show you. And and when they came to Elam, they moved out of Marah and they went to Elam where there were 12 springs of water, 70 palm trees, And they encamped there. Where? By the. You know what this story tells me? There's a a timeline here. This this tells me that God doesn't just take us to sure where the wall is of the wilderness. And he just doesn't leave us there. But he, he moves us past that. He doesn't just take us tomorrow where the water is bitter. But he, there's a, there's a purpose and there's a plan, and, and I, I need you to trust me here. I need you to put the cross where it needs to be, and I can free you from those things. But they left Mara and they went, and he takes them to this place where the water is sweet. And all those steps were part of the process of getting further down the road, maturing and growing in their faith, and it's all through obedience to the Lord. I love this. He takes us, he take, took them to another step, and he'll take you to another step, to Elam. This is a place where there's water. How many want to be filled? You hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will what? Be filled. 
I love how God takes from nothing to more than enough. No water to bitter water to the cross of Calvary to more than enough. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good and those who are called according to his purpose. Will you bow your heads with me?